Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. I feel a tiny bit sorry for the Mayo management team this morning, i got to say. You can almost picture them the first night of training that they tried Aidan O'Shea at fullback. A couple of high balls go in. Big Aidan bashes Killian O'Connor or somebody else out of the way. Horses up the field and throws to somebody else to kick over a point. And they think, you know, this might just work against Kieran Donny. Unfortunately for them, it didn't. And they're now facing widespread accusations of destroying Mayo's all Ireland chances for the second year of a row. Second year in a row, Ken, by trying to be a bit too clever. You're very welcome to Monday Second Caps Podcast. Hi, Ken. Hi, Owen. How are you? The thing about so-called tactical master plans is they're often, the successful ones, that is, are often successful because they're actually very simple. Hmm. You remember Real Madrid wiping the floor with Juventus in the Champions League final last season? Yeah. Right, so there were lots of fevered reports afterwards about how Luka Modric had, re- had revealed Zinedine Zidane's master plan. <laughs> well, really? What <laughs> yeah. was it? This one is pretty typical. This is from 90min.com. With Los Blancos now receiving deserved praise for their triumph, Modric, who assisted Cristiano Ronaldo's second goal of the night with a low cross, has lifted the lid on how the Spaniards are able to get the better of the old lady's much-vaunted backline. <laughs> Speaking to HTV, I don't know, is that, uh, I'm not sure where HTV is based, maybe Croatian, I don't know. But anyway, the Croatian yeah. midfield revealed that it was Zidane's suggestion to use quick passing and low crosses <laughs> that pay dividends. <laughs> He said, Zidane, as quoted by the World Game, Zidane and his staff detected Juventus' defensive weaknesses, so throughout the week, in preparation for the final, we practiced return passes. Juventus' defense is great when it comes to crosses, but not so on low return passes. That is what we worked on, and that is how we scored three of our goals in the final. Congratulations to the coach for that detail, which was the key in the final. <laughs> so I don't think it takes a genius to work out that Giorgio Chiellini would love nothing more than big high crosses big coming in his head hogs, big diags all day long. Yeah, Chiellini could could defend diags successfully for I would say four hundred for five hundred minutes. Yeah, before he eventually tired of them and no, he would try. He would he would strengthen as as, <laughs> as the minutes went on. Yeah, where and you'd be, so what you don't see the Zidane doing is telling you know Gonzalo Higuain to come back to centre half and mark Mario Mandzukic. No. Would be the equivalent. I mean, you know, there, there was also the fact that, according to Dani Alves, there was a big fight in the Juventus dressing room at halftime. Um, 
Paolo Dybala was terrible for the whole game, and he was, you know, Juventus's star man, and he just completely flaked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they had a big bust up uh, before going out to concede. Was it three goals? Was it three goals in the second half? Yes, that it was one all right. at halftime yep. and four one at full time. So um, there was a lot of things that went on, and Zidane's tactical master plan was one of those things. But uh, but you said something on which confused me. Uh, you said throwing away Mayo's all iron chances are they not still in the competition? They are, but the consensus seems to be Ken that maybe Mayo have missed their chance. Why? There's more improvement in the Kerry team because they were better than Kerry uh, yesterday. But They should have won the game. But I thought that they were disfigured by this horrific tactical uh, cock-up by the management. I mean, I, I haven't, you know, I don't know how bad things got on for him, but, but it seems like this tactical ploy is getting a lot of criticism. A lot and of yet criticism. Despite, despite that, Mayo are still alive, didn't lose, and can still win. Last year, the issue was that they decided to drop their goalkeeper for the replay Despite him not being particularly out of form, mm. David Clark, the idea was that Rob Henley was coming in might be better with the accurate kickouts, which managers love these days and teams mm. love to build. You got to be able to use your feet. Systems around, but I think David Clark kind of can do that as well. So it was a bit of a bit of an odd one, and it backfired spectacularly. This backfired pretty spectacularly as well. Uh, the problem is when you get to well, not even what twenty four hours out from the game, and. There's so much criticism. I think that, I think it's correct to criticize to criticize, and we'll do it on this show. But there's, it, it almost goes into overdrive, mm. and a guy gets absolutely destroyed for a manager for trying something a little bit different. Okay, something that maybe in retrospect and even beforehand you might have seen might not work because O'Shea has never played there. He's not a defender. He's certainly not a fullback. Mm. And Kieran Donahue isn't just a guy who's going to. It would work if Kieran Donahue decided, okay, we'll both just stand here and jump under the high ball together. We're both big men. We'll see what happens. Mm. But Donahue decided to use his footballing ability and get around the field a little bit. By the way, that Champions League final, Ken, I, uh, I watched in the company of Daryl Breen, comedy superstar. <clears throat> so you did. Just thought I'd throw that in there before we move on to mention the Kennedy Political Podcast <laughs> on last week's World Service. Oh, we will be talking to Maliki Clerken, by the way, because the game itself, aside from the O'Shea stuff, was absolutely incredible. Incredible Yesterday, as Maliki Clerken said in his piece, Mayo head into the replay knowing there'll always be enough of a force to hang in during these kind of games, but never enough of a force to put them beyond doubt, which is a nice way to set up next week, I think. Maliki will be in with Oshima McConville, we're also going to be talking to Mike Quirk. Now, the Kennedy Political Podcast on last week's World Service got a massive reaction. The historian Mark Jones helped Ken here break down the events of Charlottesville and pointed out some of the parallels between these Nazis now and their predecessors in the 20s and 30s. In Germany, in Berlin, for example, they would go into the working-class strongholds, places like Wedding in North, northern Berlin, which is a place where they're largely supporting the communists. They would go there and they would stage their march there because they're deliberately trying to provoke violence against them so that they have an excuse to fight back. And this is the same dynamic that we saw at the weekend. It's the same dynamic whereby the aggressor has a script that allows them to invert their roles so that they can describe themselves as the victims being attacked in Charlottesville by who they people who they call commies, even though they've travelled halfway across the uh, North American continent in some cases to uh, start a fight. Yeah, that's just a little sample of an absolutely fascinating interview, and I'm allowed to big it up as I wasn't involved in it, Ken, and you're going to be too humble to talk about it. To hear it in full and for access to all of Ken's political podcasts, you can sign up to secondcaptains.com for five or month plus fat. We play the music all the way through the interview as well, actually. It just <laughs> gives it a bit of a... Yeah, bit of edge. Extra edge, yeah. Also, if you're not a member of the World Service, you'll never get to know why Ken was talking like this last week on Wednesday's football show. Tu que quieres? 
¿Quieres el balón de oro? Yo te hago balón de oro. Unless you've got a tiny bit of Spanish and you can figure it out by yourself. Now, this is a type of local GA commentary that we love. Fired up, passionate and completely, utterly biased. Here's the final stages of yesterday's classic between Kerry and Mayo, as told by the Mayo Midwest radio commentary team of Martin Carney and Michael D. McAndrew. He's stealing yards, he's stealing yards, he needs to get back, get back! Who's going to be the man? See who wants to pass it! No, oh, it's going straight to Kerry now! Higginsnap on the back with Durkin! Good score, Paddy! Good ya, boy ya! Fair play to ya! Paddy Durkin! Kerry about 50 metres out. Oh, oh, this is heartbreaking. It's a free from Kerry right in the middle of the pitch. He's after taking, he should be going back further. He has stolen a yard or two. Watch him. Yeah. He's stealing yards. He's stealing yards. He needs to get back. Get back. We played five minutes, which has been a lot of injury time. Kerry 214. Mayo 214. Kerry to win it with Brian Sheehan. Sheehan. He oh, goes, go away. Keep going. Go away. Go away. It's all over. We're oh, going to have to do right, it all over right. again. What a what game. What an absolute thriller. And credit to both sets of players. Credit to them for the effort they gave, for the passion they put into it, for the football they played, for the actual sportsmanship that was there, for the actual scores that they got. That game had everything that you want to see except a Mayo win. Ah, yes, absolutely unbelievable stuff there on Midwest Radio. Ushi McConville and Malachi Clerken are here to dissect it. Hi, guys. How are you doing, Owen? How's things? Not bad. Enjoy that yesterday? Uh, it was it was class. Yeah. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. It was... I've been in Crow Park the week before and watched the Horland. Um, obviously watched the Horland the week before that. I've spent so many days in Crow Park recently. It's scary. <laughs> Um, Not as many as me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I chose to watch uh, yesterday's at home, and there was no kids, no wife, <laughs> and uh, I, I have to say I absolutely, totally enjoyed it. I went to the bathroom at one stage. My face was red. I, I, I think it was that. <laughs> I was that. Inv- I think I was that involved in what was going on. Uh, I just had. I was just by myself watching it, and I thought. There's loads of mistakes in this game. Oh, yeah. And I'm still... I think that sort of added to it. Yeah. It was just... It was To say it was epic would, would be an understatement. It was it was brilliant and it was exactly what we needed. There couldn't not be mistakes, I guess, on a crappy no. old day. And sometimes in weather like that, you get awful games. Mm. That that can be the fear. But that's not what happened yesterday, Malika. You were there. Yeah, like... I think you have to say, in fairness, the, the conditions were terrible. Like, we, God, we give out about football an awful lot. Some of the skills yesterday, and and I don't even really mean the sort of the scoring skills, the flashy mm. skills. Some of the ball retention skills yesterday, 
Like, I kind of look at Andy Moran sometimes and think, Andy could be like 50 and still get out in front of his man and hold on to the ball when it comes into him. Like, it's an incredible skill he has. He almost never drops it. Jason Doherty was the same yesterday. Incredible handling skills. And um, it made for it made for a brilliant game. Like, like I you you had to feel sorry for defenders all across the pitch yesterday, um, because it was just the ball was so slippy. It was all about getting in around the breaks. It was all about who could hold on to the ball that was coming in, and everything seemed to be on a knife edge. Like there was such there was nearly tension in every attack, and that's what you want from an epic game. Like that that every time the ball went into either full forward line, you were going. Right, who gets it? Who's going to come out with it? How can they get out with it? Like, there was a couple of times when, you know, say, keeper would play a short kick. Like, the keepers, Brian Kelly must have, like, if you were doing an average of how long he took over kickouts, must be down around four to six seconds. He had the ball out and away, out and away, out and away. And all, and all, people kind of held their breath on both sides until somebody got out past the 45 with it and then everybody kind of relaxed until it went into the full forward line at the other end. It was that sort of really tense game where, where the stakes seemed high on every attack yeah. and you don't get that that often. It's a really yeah. tricky place to play when, it's ri- when it rains like that. Croke Park? Yeah, because the first quandary you have, you go out, you walk the pitch and you're thinking, what studs am I going to wear? Right. So then you slip going for the first ball and you think, shit, I've made the wrong... I've made the wrong decision. Uh, it's just that there's no give in the ground. There's no give in the ground whatsoever. So everything's on top of the so on top of the surface. So it's all about you know, you know who can keep their feet, who's got that bit of balance. I have to say, Andy Moore, and yes, I don't think he he slept or anything once. Mm-hmm. James O'Donoghue was like Bambi on ice. He was all over. The, mm-hmm. He was all over the place. He was able to trap the ball. And Malik says about you know some of the normal skills. I thought the ball in the both full forward lines and the way they were able to capture the ball was 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 one of the highlights for me. I'm glad you both mentioned Andy Moran already because he's what he scored one five from play, created another goal and probably three points. One three, I, I had him as the assists. <clears throat> Andy Moran has popped up time and time again in the last couple of years, Oshie, in our chats as. He sort of gets held up as this reason why Mayo don't win All-Irelands, that they're still reliant on Andy Moran, as the cliche goes. Is that just because he's absolutely brilliant and that they should be relying on a player who's as good as Andy Moran? Well, the one thing I would have thought is that Mayo shouldn't be over-reliant on Andy Moran at this stage in where they are at and where Andy Moran is at in his career. But we have a tendency to write players off too early. Um, I get the feeling that I might have had a tendency to write him off at times. I think I've always said about the quality that he has, but that Mayo, at this stage of where they're at and trying to win in All-Ireland, that they should have been using him off the bench maybe a little bit more. What's wrong with relying on a guy, though, who can come out and kick 1-5 in an All-Ireland semi-final? It surely doesn't matter if he's 23 or 33 or what stage Mayo are at in their development. I well, I agree with you, but I, I do think that at this stage, five years ago, I would have expected Mayo to unearth a couple more players um, that could play up front and that Andy Moore might be somebody that, first of all, either could play off them. Hmm. So when Aidan O'Shea played a full... If Aidan O'Shea was playing a full forward, that Andy Moore might be somebody who might benefit from Aidan O'Shea winning the ball initially and maybe him not having to make all those runs 
Um, but yesterday he seemed, he seemed absolutely full of energy. But uh, that was again, that was my only argument that maybe he's somebody that c- could have come off the bench and made an impact, or that they weren't as reliant on him as they are. But if he's going to kick one five every game, well, I think there's a couple of things there. Yeah. If, if if he was kicking one five every day, that would be one thing. But the thing is, we've seen a few games with Andy, like. <laughs> I thought it was really noticeable about him yesterday. He played way more centrally yesterday than he usually does. Like, how many times have you seen games where Andy Morn wins three balls kind of running out towards the sideline, uh, like over under the Cusick stand, and having to turn, recycle to Dermot O'Connor or whoever's coming in behind him, and Mayo start again and go lateral again. Whereas I thought yesterday, he was winning ball in the D. He was getting out in front of... Like, he had three different markers. Uh, they tried, uh, they started with uh, Shane Enright on him, Killian Young tried for a while, Tag Morley went for a while. He seemed to be getting on the ball in the D. Now, maybe that was down to Kerry not playing a sweeper and the ball in, like, as you say, like some of the balls in, Jason Dorney played some lovely balls in, Damer O'Connor played some lovely passes in. But he seemed to be way more centrally involved yesterday. And I thought that's why he really hurt them yesterday. Because he, there wasn't so much of this kind of running out to the wing, kind of dutifully making the sort of cornerback runs where you point one way and you run the other way and you get on the ball. Because that's his, that's his big thing. And that's what I say. When he's 50, he'll still be able to get out in front of his man and collect the ball. But he was getting involved centrally, dodging this way and that way and kicking snapshot points mm. like he was getting the ball in his hand bang over the bar little turn bang over the bar confidence thing as well once like that goal once that goal goes in yeah. you know uh, you know his yeah his and the, you're right there's been games before where he's got that goal chance early on and it's been saved or he hit the crossbar or something like that and you know a bit of the air goes out of him or yeah i do feel the, the implication in the, the strain of analysis that we're talking about is that he's not a great forward that if they're still reliant on this guy then what, what's wrong with Mayo football but I don't know I just feel like maybe he hasn't got the credit he deserves over the yeah, years yeah no I think you're right I definitely yeah. think you're right I mean he's been around like what's he did he play in the 07 final like he, he's around a long long time um, and I think he's just when when the sort of debate over the years over Mayo not having a marquee forward I think what they call a marquee forward is somebody who's going to do something out of nothing Whereas Andy is a, a very functional sort of textbook corner forward. You know, he makes intelligent runs. He plays kind of double dutch with the defenders and goes this way and goes that way, turns and, and bang over the bar. But even his kicking style is very sort of, it's, it's, it's exactly what you would teach a young fella. Like, there's no, there, there, you would never call Andy Moore a genius mm. the way you'd call, say, a James O'Donoghue or even a Paul Ganey a genius, you know. And that may be overstating James O'Donoghue and Paul Ganey, but there's something about the way they kind of conjure points or that it's something about the way they move that it that seems more kind of naturally kind of out out there that, than Andy, whereas, whereas Andy does does the basics very, very well. And, like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's really trying not to damn him with faint praise. But I think that's what that's maybe what the tenor of the criticism may have been. And possibly he... Mm, he probably didn't think he was going to get the room yesterday that he actually got. He mm. got a pretty handy time of it. Uh, if you looked at him <clears throat> in the previous game, uh, the first Roscommon game actually, he looked out in his feet at times. 
yesterday he looked absolutely full of energy and all that is is sticking the ball in the back of the net after four minutes <laughs> yeah, <you know? laughs> that can be the simple turnaround we're going to have Mike Quirky in, uh, on the line in a couple of minutes he might be, be able to explain the basketball man rationale behind putting Aidan O'Shea <laughs> on Mike Quirk Eamon Sweeney writing in the Indo today uses a line once described once used to describe the British soldiers of World War One. when it comes to big tactical calls he says Mayo are lions led by donkeys is that harsh or she? It was, it was it was a it was a ballsy ballsy call to put Aidan O'Shea in there. Uh, can I can I develop this in the in the two points? First of all, did it work? No, it didn't work. There was one hay ball went in. I think you have to give Donaghy a huge amount of credit for you know for what happened yesterday because he seen what exactly was going to happen. It kicked ten balls in on top of him. Like all Aidan O'Shea has to do with Donaghy is to punch them away. Donaghy be lucky maybe if he wins two of them. You know. He didn't want to start wrestling with him on the edge of the square. I think that's one thing that Donaghy has brought to his game over the last couple of years. He was able to come out. He was able to get the ball. He was involved in a hell of a lot of scores. Uh, Aidan O'Shea comes out, punches the ball up in the air, collects it, and there's a big, huge roar from the male crowd. <laughs> and you're thinking, yeah, that's work. it's worked. <laughs> you know, and, but even if you see where that ball was, like that was nowhere near mm. where, where Kieran Donaghy wants to be winning. Oh, it's a shocking pass. Yeah, yeah. wants to be winning high ball. The other point I want to make is that right, we we sort of have a little bit of an obsession with Aidan O'Shea and and how he's playing. But is that all that Mayo expect or Mayo management expect of Aidan O'Shea? Is that he goes in there and he does a job? I mean, they they seem quite they seem okay with the role that he played yesterday because he probably got on as much ball as he's ever got on. But if Aidan O'Shea's role in this Mayo team is to get ball. Uh, in that area of the field, fist pass it and go back in to do his job at full back. Then I, I've missed something about Aidan O'Shea down through the years because I thought he was much more than that. Mm. Okay, so take him out of it, uh, of what they had going forward. Take Lee Keegan out of you know spearheading their attack. Um, you know that takes two of Mayo's biggest weapons away from them. The, I think the reason why Kerry didn't play. <clears throat> a sweeper yesterday was because they were too scared of what Mayo had coming for running from their half back lane, and they were trying to protect that, and they thought that was more important to protect than the full back lane. Now, I still don't understand why they didn't at some stage change that, and maybe try and and have somebody in in front of the, of the of the Mayo full forward lane. But I, as I say, I do think that the the biggest threat that. Kerry felt that Mayo had was the fact the impact of Boyle, Keegan, O'Shea coming from the middle of the field, Parsons, all these guys running at them. And I think they were afraid of getting overrun in that middle third. And that's why they didn't play a sweep because they didn't expect Mayo to kick as much ball into the full four lane as they did. Just on the O'Shea move, mm. is there a bit of an arrogance in this? Stephen Rogers has done it before, the, the goalkeeper switched before the replay last year, the replay <coughs> All Ireland final. Is there there's this cult of manager that we talk about a lot, the cult of coaching. Is there, is there a, fear, a fear that maybe some of these managers buy into it and feel that they have to have more of an impact on proceedings than really is necessary? Yeah, I, I mean, that, that was definitely the feeling I had sitting in the, in the press box and watching him. It was, it was about a minute and a half into the game because I was watching Donaghy from the start and Donny Vaughan went with him when Aidan went in for the throw-in. And about a minute and a half in, 
O'Shea kind of loped down towards him. It was as Killian O'Connor was lining up the free that he hit off the post. And none of us were watching the free. We were all going, really? Really? Did they really overthink it this much? Because that, that's really what it looked like to me. Um, and I guess to a lot of people that that they just decided that this was such a, a terrorizing threat. Uh, what Donaghy had done, obviously three years ago, but of course against Galway in the quarterfinal, that above all else, this this need to be shut down. I just thought, I even watched it for a while and thought, okay, okay, like it's not it's not a it's not a completely ludicrous call. Mm. But what what really struck me was the way they obviously told him to play. Like, he didn't defend. What do you mean? As in, he wasn't close to him. He let Don anytime Don he ran out of the full for out of the classic full forward position, O'Shea stayed as a full back. Like he played like an orthodox full back rather than a man marker. I would presume I totally presumed that the idea was to put Aidan O'Shea on Kieran Donaghy. But actually what they did was they played Aidan O'Shea at full back. It's kind of two different things. You, and they yeah. put him there to stop to stop the, the high ball coming in and, and you know, the one that they contested he came out with. But I thought actually it was a bit of an insult to Kieran Donaghy. I thought that they it was a kind of a presumption that this guy is great on the edge of the square. Let's nullify that threat. Kieran Donaghy was the footballer of the year ten years ago. He's won four All Irelands and three All Stars. Uh, like he's not just a big galoot on the edge of the square. I'd say he was absolutely delighted <laughs> to be able to come out. Like you watch all across the pitch yesterday, it was such an intense game. The ball is skidding everywhere. It was tough ball for everybody to handle. There was one player on the pitch who got every ball whatever way he wanted it, and that was Kieran Donaghy because O'Shea played. Sometimes 15 yards back off him. He, he wasn't touched tight. Because the couple of times that he went in touched tight, Aiden isn't a defender. He got too tight, got turned. He got turned the very first ball that Donahue got out on the Kuzikstan sideline. Donahue slipped up. A little shimmy. That was all it was. Because O'Shea isn't a defender. He doesn't have the pace to, to trust himself to get touched tight so that if he gets beaten, he'll be able to sprint back. He knows that. He's a clever footballer. So he stood off and he almost played him like a soccer defender. As if he was kind of going, all right, lad, get the ball out there. If you can turn and put it over the bar, that's up to you. But I am stopping a goal. I, and I presume he was told to do that. I presume that that was, that was the way he was instructed. Basically told, Aidan, you're in there to stop a goal coming from a high ball. Do that and your job is done. Mm. So the, the idea of putting him in there, okay, you can debate it one way or the other. But I think the way that he was either told to play or played uh, off, the, off, off his own bat... I thought was was critical. Like Donahue, my count of it was out of Kerry's two fourteen. Donahue had a hand in two six. That's it. Doesn't matter what he does in the edge of the square if he's if he's causing two six worth of scores across a game. I think. I think. As a, just to go back on the point, like you know, is that is that what Mayo think of Aidan O'Shea? Is that what is that what Mayo management think of Aidan O'Shea? Is that do they think that that's the best role that he has? And uh, the big question is: Are they stubborn enough now to um, either, you know, go and admit their mistake, or are they stubborn enough to go and play them again there next week and say, 
you know, we were quite happy with what Aidan O'Shea did last week. Well, because the amount of ball he handled. Yeah, we were talking to Mike Quirk last week, Mike, about the rumour that Lee Keegan was going to end up on Kieran Donny, and you were praying for that to be true because of what it would take away from Mayo as an attacking threat. What was your reaction when you saw big Aidan O'Shea trotting over to Mark Donny? Jeez, yeah, I mean, you'd be equally delighted to see it. I mean, I mean, next week they might put him into goals or something and take him further away from <laughs> from from our, you know, to carry goals. I mean, it was just. I, I don't think yesterday he did anything that Tony Vaughan couldn't have done on Danny. You know, I, I thought Danny got the better of the matchup, you know, clearly. You know, it wasn't as though Kerry were going to be just so programmed into lamping high ball that Aidan O'Shea was going to be, you know, man of the match by breaking that ball away. And Danny was very cute in what he did. And, you know, Danny's playing full forward at intercounty level now for about 12 years. So he's he knows he knows the tricks of the trade. Aidan Shea, that was his first 70 minutes ever. It was really unfair in the guy, I thought, actually, to, to put him there and to leave him there on an island so long. And, and and Danny he just was clever in the ball. He won the hand passes, the low stuff, and and the way he he got everybody involved. I think it was something like two four, two five. You know that he was involved in kind of directly or indirectly. And you know, I, I, it's just it's going to be so interesting next week. Now to see, do they go with the same thing again? Do they stick or twist? Do they play him? Do they play him full back or do they push him up the field? And you know, it's just it, it was so from from left field. And obviously, if they won the game, only oh, it would be great. And 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 he it'd be lauded as a as a brilliant tactical move. But. I, I just think really they were trying to contain as opposed to maybe go on go on win the game with that one. I heard the basketball thing being thrown around as a reason yesterday for O'Shea marking him. It was it was, it was oh yeah the basketball thing. You know they both play basketball. I don't know what <laughs> I talk like. Did you get that as a as, as a high level basketballer? Mike, do you understand what yeah, that means? I, I I I don't get the logic of that one. I think obviously look, there's a legacy issue with Danny and Mayo, and, and, yeah. and he brings he brings like last week on everybody you know. Everything you hear on on radio or podcast podcasts or on or, or on a newspaper is everything was about Donahue and uh, and and the impact he was going to have in the game and how would Mayo cope with him and you thought that was probably just kind of a, a media thing that it was just being generated by by the guys in in media but obviously it was something that had seeped into Mayo as well because I mean it, it's such a strange move to take Aidan O'Shea out of where he's carried Mayo on his back to massive victories all summer. And how influential and how inspiring he was to his, his team, teammates, and and to put him back there, it was just uh, it's just you know unimaginable to think of how, how a management team could think that would be a good idea and in the best interest of your players. And now from their from their side, which you're saying, okay, we're going to we're going to try and if nothing else, we're going to try and not lose this game early, and and by having Aidan O'Shea in there, they'll probably negate Kerry even trying to kick in high ball. But it's just I, I just I, I thought it was it, it really sent out a sign that. We're really, really trying not to lose this game. It as did work, to though, Mike, didn't it? it? In its primary purpose, it did work. There was that one high, loopy ball that went up and Aidan O'Shea dominated. That one managed to, managed to clear it and got a big cheer from the crowd. And Kerry just stopped doing it after that. Yeah, I mean, there was one ball, I'd say Stephen, Stephen O'Brien probably kicked in one one kind of ignorant old ball that that's, uh, was just made for Aidan O'Shea to come through the back of him. But, I mean, all the rest of it was just clever stuff that, you know, Danny, he showed out in front for hand passes and, uh, and and brought other guys into it, and you see, you know, it, it, it takes like it takes while to 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 develop an ability to play full back, especially against a guy as 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 experienced in the role as as Danny is. And um, I just, I, I really, I it was hard. To, and then when you're looking at the game, you're saying, okay, they're going to move him out now. They'll, they'll move him out eventually. They'll, it'll have to, and they never did. And you know, until and I think that's why. You know, Fitzmaurice probably left Danny in the game as long as he did, as well as he was playing. He was probably out of gas maybe 10 minutes before he was actually taken off. But if you brought in Sheehan a little bit earlier, you would have probably released Aiden Shea out to feel a little quicker. And they didn't want to do that. And, and by leaving Danny in there, even though he wasn't doing a whole pile late in the game, 
they still left the shackle to him inside there, which was just, I, I don't know, they just didn't show a whole pile of ambition there when the game was to be won and, and, and that fear of Danny and the damage he was going to cause was still kind of lingering with him. Is there an argument, though, that they took a, took a hit, they said, OK, we know Aidan O'Shea isn't the natural fullback, obviously. We know that Donny will be able to come out in front. This idea that people are throwing around over the last 24 hours that Donny's a better player than he's not just a catch-and-kick merchant. I'm sure Mayo know that. They know, they know that he, there's more to him than just catching high ball. But I guess they figured if he's going to do damage in any way, maybe it's less psychologically damaging for us to have him pushed out a little bit around around the fringes rather than this crushing blow that seems to afflict Mayo when Donny catches high balls over their head. Yeah, and that's 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 obviously the, the, the logic and the thinking that, they, that they're with on. I mean, they... Like they've seen in the past, like, and that's what I'm talking about the legacy issue. They, they know the hurt that Danny has caused him with, with kind of, you know, those those high balls into the square. But I just don't think, and like, I don't think they, they realized how effective maybe he was going to be outside of that long high ball, you know. And, uh, and, and I just thought it was really clever the way he played and the way, you know, and you talk about coaching and, 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 and like what coaching is, is, is that. The Kerry guys that were able to actually just think on their feet and, and kind of, I'm sure they had it in their head that they were going to go along to Donny early. And, and as soon as they saw it and Shea in there, it was a complete change attack. And it was, you know, it was like one high ball, I think, you know, like, like you said earlier from Stephen O'Brien, and everything else was, was low on the deck and below head height. And just the way they kind of changed their game plan to, to suit that, I suppose, was, was you know, smart from Kerry's point of view. But you don't think, though, Mike, sorry, you don't think that. The way to go. Yeah, you don't think that Rochford and the Mayo management team would have been aware that Donaghy had those other strings to his bow the, the guy's been around for more than a decade he has but I, I, I don't think they believed he would be as effective as he was yesterday yeah. I, I, I still I, I thought Donaghy won that matchup comfortably hands down against Aidan O'Shea oh, yeah, you know? and that's not a yeah, criticism yeah. It's just I, I I thought you know the way the way Danny put Stephen O'Brien through on goal you know he 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 put uh, David Moore from that touch like there was there was loads of stuff that he was involved in that that really Aidan O'Shea had no influence in in curbing his uh, you know his his ability to get guys involved in the game and I think if you had Donny Vaughan uh, you know inside there doing the same thing and Danny had played the same game. I think Aidan O'Shea would have caused a wreck above it. at the other side, the way Kerry were under such pressure with, with Andy Moore and with Killian O'Connor inside and even Doherty. And you throw Aidan Shea up there at centre forward or even in the middle of the field where they were well beaten in terms of kickouts, both sides of the ball. I, I, I just think if he would have given them such momentum going forward, that I don't know that Kerry would have been able to get a draw out of the game. Last one, Mike. Is there any chance at all that Kerry didn't exploit the advantage to its fullest because Donaghy seemed to me to be playing a little deeper as the second half progressed he was doing a lot of running he was still getting on a lot of ball but it kind of felt to me like they could have kept him on the square and, and making his runs from there for the entire 70 minutes and probably not even had to have taken him off well, one of the big things John, was was obviously the Kerry full back line was was you know destroyed for most of the day and yeah. and that Mayo full forward line got the better of that matchup. But the other big thing Kerry will have to kind of bring some serious attention is that half forward line and and the absence of, of Donica Welch. I know I mentioned it yesterday, Donica Welch's absence to the half forward line and, and and providing a kind of an outlet across that line for for kick passes for Kerry guys coming out of defence really slowed Kerry down when he wasn't there. They didn't have a target working across that line. Um, that was able to receive that ball, turn and, and move it in quickly. So that forced the guys like Donny and Ganey and James O'Donoghue coming out to feel a little bit more because that, that half forward wasn't 
as functional as, as maybe it should be or, or, or you'd hope to be. Now, obviously, you can give Mayo huge credit for that and Colin Boyle and, and the physicality and the tackling that they, they brought to the game was, was huge and, and they obviously deserve a lot of credit for it. But I, I just think a guy like Dunica Welsh yesterday, his last, you know, often oftentimes he goes unnoticed in a pile of games, but I thought his last was huge to carry yesterday and, and it's something that, that, that they really need to work on in the couple of days that they have before the replay. Looking forward to it anyway. Mike, listen, brilliant stuff. Thanks, Mel. Okay, guys. So pretty much everyone seems to be agreed that this is uh, a risk, uh, maybe a calculated risk, but it certainly didn't work out. Whether or not they try it again, I don't know. Is there an argument here that Aidan O'Shea is going to have learned a huge amount? Uh, this might sound a bit facetious, but he's going to have learned a lot about how to play full back after one game of Mark and Kieran Donahue. So presumably he might make a better fist of it the second time around. Well, it's entirely possible. I mean, he, he he's certainly learned more than he did in whatever 10 days of training they put him through yeah. <laughs> between coming up with the idea and telling him he was doing it. Um, yeah. I, well, Jesus, boys, they couldn't do it again. Well, but that's <laughs> the only thing. I, 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 think, I think it goes back to your point, Oshin. Like, I, I just don't think that they can afford to go without that weapon. Like, that, that was what I thought. Like, at half time, I presumed... I, pre- well, I presume that that Aidan O'Shea is sitting in there going, lads, come on, let me out. Look at how we're dominating up the pitch. What what can I do up there? Let me go up there and do and do the same. Help out. Let's let's put these guys away. Um. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to come up with. I I think I just pray for their sake that they put a defender on the guy like there's there, there was at times yesterday that I was kind of going God almighty I'd nearly put Keith Higgins on him somebody that is going to stand behind him and push him and shove him and annoy him and just make his day a bit more miserable than it is rather than and like all the this idea I, I was talking to some sort of male journalists at halftime and at full time and you know they're trying to find the good in it and they were kind of going well you know Kerry stop playing the, the high ball in yeah, okay, the high ball didn't go in. But was that because uh, they were afraid that Aidan O'Shea would outjump Kieran Donnelly? Or was it because they were under so much pressure out the field that they weren't at any point... I didn't see too many times where they were the ball was on, like that they, they were in enough room to turn and ping one into, into uh, the uh, midfield. And the strange thing, and I know this is, again, this is hindsight, but the strange thing yesterday was that if they had been able to shut down Donaghy a little bit more... Well, Donoghue's, mm-hmm. no, he's way off the pace... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and Gini, you know, obviously uh, Michael Gini, it didn't work out for him. And uh, Savage to handle a lot of ball, but never, you know, never really did that much. So carried a lot of problems yesterday as well, and still managed to eke out a draw. Wow! Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I do, I do have one more suggestion for next week. What about Kevin McLaughlin on? Um, <laughs> Well, he has the hate. Uh, on, 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 you know? Or maybe Andy Moore, just to whatever, whatever the most counterintuitive thing seems well, to be. Well, I, I think they should go with their tallest player, who is David Clark, and put Rob Henley in goals. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I like it. You did mention earlier on, uh, you talked about, I mean, Kerry had some problems on the field, a lot of problems on the field, and probably on the line as well. Fitzmaurice was more proactive in some ways. He made three substitutes by the start of the second half to, with maybe a mixed degree of success. But the full back line is what's being analysed a lot today. Uh, you seem to feel that th- there was a logic to not playing a sweeper and that was to have enough bodies out the field to stop the half forwards running. Because watching it, I was thinking, is there a bit of arrogance there from the Kerry side of things thinking, look, we can handle these guys one on one. Let's not worry about them too too much. We can play three on three at the back and... and uh, allow our, you know, allow the rest of the players to match up out the field. Yeah, it's just strange that they should do that for seventy-five minutes. That's, mm. I suppose, that's the only thing I would say. Um, I think Kerry will, will play a sweeper the next day. It'll probably change things a little bit. 
Uh, Buckley didn't probably have the influence defensively as as he had done in previous games, and I think that was because of the threat of of Boyle and and Barrett and 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 Keegan and these boys who were going forward. And he, they wanted to stop that at source. They wanted to stop that around the middle of the field. They didn't get enough pressure on the ball. They got a bit more pressure on the ball. Um, second half, whenever Barry come on, he seemed to do a better job. Maher looked way off the pace. As I say, you know, they didn't get enough. Like Me and Mike have had the argument before about the carry half-forward line. It's amazing how much Donegal Walsh was missing. Donegal Walsh, uh, Buckley and Stephen O'Brien has a much more of a balance to it than than um than what they ended up with yesterday. Walsh plays that and he plays a more a, a more defensive role and hit, hit, the role that he plays defensively is a natural thing. I, I don't believe that Donegal Walsh is, you know, is coached to go back and and fill in fill in space or anything, but that's just naturally the way he plays. So they certainly would have missed him yesterday, but expect him Definitely to play a sweeper the next time and suck it up. Whatever happens around the middle of the field, to suck it up. And Fitzmaurice will, will will yeah he looked at he looked at it tactically, but the other thing he looked at is um, how hard Kerry walked at times during that game. And I, I thought um, at times during the game they were outwalked by Mayo. And when Mayo were on top, they were really on top. Kerry got a lot of their scores off the back of fairly simple mistakes mm. from a male point of view. A, a lot of silly fouls and that sort of thing. Silly fouls, bad turnovers. You know, Donny's Donny's point in the first half where where he sent Aidan O'Shea flying came from a Shamey O'Shea shot that dropped short and they worked it up the pitch, three passes and it was over the bar. Mm. Like the first goal, Stephen O'Brien's goal. That, actually, I don't want to pick on Shamey O'Shea because I actually thought he had a fine game. He just made a couple of really bad mistakes. The Carried there, the yeah. ball right into the tackle there. Got turned over. Two passes back of the net. Like they give. Like look, it's the it's the <laughs> really it for for all the things that that we write about Mayo and talk about Mayo forever and ever. The stupid goals at the wrong times, like like the second goal. A handy ball from Keith Higgins out to Aidan O'Shea in the wing. He misjudged the bounce. A skiddy bounce went out over the line. And he kind of stood there. Didn't realise. Shit, I need to get back. I need to get back. He started pointing at Jamie O'Shea to get back on Donaghy. High ball into Donaghy. He was the only one he, he got in the middle, in front of the goals all day. Broke it down. David Moran threw three three on one for the goalkeeper. Like, stupid goals. Mm. Stupid, stupid and, goals. And the other thing, Kerry showed show composure at different times during the game but for the last 20 minutes I think both teams shared four points and you would expect mm-hmm. Kerry at that stage to kick on I know he got a bit of criticism yesterday for it but when Jack Barry turned inside he turned inside lovely and it was just a good save yeah. you know from Clark mm-hmm. that time but uh, you know there was a, Kerry had a couple of occasions during that period of that last 20 minutes and you think this like I don't know what you felt watching the game in the last twenty minutes. I just felt, you know, Kerry will get. I, I thought three, they were going to go. Yeah, I th- Kerry wide. will get three or four scores yeah. just to just to win this game. But Mayo got a serious. They've got a serious resilience and a serious stickability. I don't know if that's going to be enough. For a them. serious resilience for getting draws in these situations. Yeah. Joe Brody, I, I can mention his name because Murphy's not in today. Mm-hmm. He made the point after is that, that there's a certain mental strength required to eke out these dogged draws. There's a different type of strength required to. 
go and win games that are there to be won very quickly what do you both think is going to happen in the replay this <laughs> early in the week <laughs> uh, I'd, uh, uh, four points each draw okay. and into extra time and uh, I could have a clue yeah <laughs> genuinely how can, like, no. how can you go to these Mayo games and have any notion how they're going to turn out Ocean. yeah I, I still think Kerry should have a little bit more in them and then having said that they didn't have as much off the bench as I thought maybe they had. And when you l- actually look deep into their squad, question marks appear. So, all right, I don't really know. So he tried to maybe, answer the question and arrived at maybe, the same point. Maybe, as maybe, maybe, <laughs> Kerry. A lot of very clear coaching <laughs> analysis right the way through until the very end. There's another game on next weekend. We'll, we'll talk about that later in the week, I'm sure. Malachi, Ushin, brilliant. Thanks a million. Cheers, lads. And he is my second captain. Second captain. That's uh-huh. the humorous competition. I saw that. Important men for my selection. Ken, the lads are shying away entirely from predicting what's going to happen next weekend, given the madness that seems to attend every Mayo football match these days what a weekend for Croke Park residents such as yourself by the way an All-Ireland football semi-final double header yeah Saturday and Sunday. Down. great week to get out of town if you ask me Any are there downsides to so much football being played in your immediate vicinity uh, just that there's usually someone parked outside my house <laughs> uh, but that doesn't bother me I don't I don't ever need a parking space there's other people though who do and they get annoyed by that but apart from that no. do, do they not do the old trick of putting the bollards out putting some cones out to protect their patch that happens <sighs> bollards what do you mean yeah you know I wouldn't be one of the people who would do that Owen because I think it's one of the most pathetic things anyone can do but you live, you see to put lot- out a bollard with no legal standing to try to um, claim a space which you actually have no legal right to claim hmm. um, in order simply to bluff people out of it I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's funny when uh, people come and just move those ballers out of the way and park there. And you sometimes see someone come out of the house and go, oh, what are you doing? Don't move that bollard. And it's like, sorry, mate. Like, <laughs> I can park here if I want. Uh, so, uh, city centre living, eh, Ken? You never really own your own parking space. Uh, sometimes you do, but not on my road. Uh, <laughs> not on my road. So, uh, yeah, that's the way it goes. I think a fair view on the World Service next week perhaps could be brewing with that double header. All right, you don't see... Oh, by the way. Before we wrap things up here, this is just to maybe try and preempt any tweets coming in abusing me for my glaring error in the intro to this podcast. I may be too late. I know a few of you will probably be. I know the ones exactly. I know exactly who's going to be on to me already. Yeah, I did make a bit of a mistake earlier on. I was outlining Zidane's master plan in Mm -hmm. the Champions League final. And I did say you didn't see him asking Gonzalo Higuain to come back to centre half and do a job on Mario Mandzukic. No. That's part of that plan. There's a good reason for that, Ken. Uh, they play for the same team. Same team. Not neither of them play for Zidane's team. Neither of them play for Zidane's team. They both play for Juventus. So See, when it you might have been a strange look that Higuain would have given Zidane. Saying, Why, what? I, I mean, you're a legend. Yeah. All due deference to you, Mr. Yeah. Zidane. But like, I'm, I'm not marking another I can't player. I follow your team. instructions today. No, I, I, when I, I heard you say it, Owen, but I figured that I must have missed something that you'd said just beforehand, which made it make sense. I was so enthusiastic. You just couldn't, you yeah. couldn't bring me down. Yeah. Yeah. I should have gone for Benzema. That would have done the job. Benzema was playing for Real Madrid, right? Benzema was playing for Real Madrid. Benzema, Isco, Ronaldo, and the boys. This just goes to show we all make mistakes. I make mistakes. Stephen Rochard makes mistakes. And 
maybe they shouldn't maybe not every mistake that anyone has ever made should be forgiven but certainly some of them oh and you're be. amazing thank you so much thank you so much thanks again thank you Al. thanks a million for listening we'll talk to you in the world service bye now That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home.